0: Up Whisper Nation and welcome back to the show. We got the boys all back in town, and we are breaking down that week seven matchup slate because there are a lot of players on by, so you're going to be needing to know this knowledge on who you should sneak in that lineup and who you should not sneak in the lineup and get a little too cute. All that and more with the boys at the Fantasy Whispers right here. Right here. Oh!
1: That's right. Like Johnny said, we're going to talk the first half of the slate of NFL matchups on Sunday and all the fantasy football implications of those games. But if you like that fresh fantasy football content and you want more of it, consider subscribing over on the YouTube channel and give our other videos over there a like on your way in. Welcome all the way in, Whisper Nation. My name is Big Travy. You can find me on Twitter at Big Travi TFW. I'm joined by Johnny Game Time Hicks, who you saw on the teaser intro, or you heard, who you can find on Twitter at Johnny underscore game time Johnny what's good man week seven week seven
0: Bypocalypse. there's like a couple of names that are going around right now you got bipocalypse uh you've also got uh what are, uh what do you what are you guys rolling with what do you what do you uh what do you guys suggest uh calling this holiday that isn't so uh you know glorious it's kind of frightful
1: I mean spooky season baby. It's definitely <laughs> spooky. Um, Austin says it's spooky. Austin's on the other mic. You can find him on Twitter at Austin underscore R underscore Sear. Austin, buys hitting you this week as bad as they're hitting the rest of us?
2: I, You know, yeah, they are in some spaces. Um, and I'm really just kind of hanging up on my, uh, the uh, lack of production there in the league of record that's going on, which is spooking me out. And so I'm, you know, I'm just welcoming the buys. Like I'm just
1: welcoming a change in environment. Honestly. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that is spooky. And you know what's spookier than seeing that or a black cat on Halloween? It's shaving your balls with anything other than Manscaped. When it comes to below-the-waist grooming, there's no need to carve your pumpkins this Halloween because Manscaped is there to upgrade your grooming experience. Go from a bite-sized candy bar to a king-sized candy bar and join the 2 million men worldwide by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the promo code TFWMan. You'll get 20% off plus free shipping when you use the code tfwman at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code tfwman at manscaped.com. All right, gentlemen, as we normally do, and to get off of this spooky topic, because we're, we're going to have to talk about buys the whole show. I mean, that's just really the nature of it. We've got the Chargers, we've got the Steelers, we've got the Cowboys, we've got so many people within the top 15 at every position out on buy this week. Um, and so if you're heavily invested in those squads, then you're going to be heavily invested in trying to cover up those holes, those glaring holes. But to change the subject from the dark and gloomy a little bit, I want to talk about some optimism here. And we usually start the show off with a question. I'm going to look at the the tight end six through ten. And I want to ask you is which tight end currently outside the top five has the best shot to climb into the top five? And furthermore, do any of these guys have a chance to actually finish top three by the end of the season? So number six is Noah Fant. Number seven, TJ Hawkinson. Number eight, Robert Gronkowski. Number nine, Hunter Henry. And number 10, Mike Gasecki. Austin, when you think of those names, when you look at the production from these guys, you look at obviously Gronk's been hurt, TJ Hawkinson started hot, slowed down a bit. Any of these guys really piquing your interest as guys that would climb into the top five for you and then potentially crack into that, that top tier? TJ Hawkinson's an obvious and easy choice. He's many folks' top three
2: selection preseason. He started off the first couple of games really, really hot has slowed down as the Detroit Lions have been playing inefficient, poor football, not scoring a ton of points. They still have the opportunity to get back to where they started at the beginning of the year. And I think more importantly, they're not going to keep going at the trajectory they are now as they're not gaining anything from it. They're not winning any more games. They're not putting up any more points. TJ Hawkinson is still their best receiving option. You know, competition there from DeAndre Swift, but uh, a little bit different of a category there. So I think TJ Hawkinson is an obvious choice. I also like, Noah Fant he's in a similar ish role in that he is a great target he's a physical tight end who has a good role on the team just a little bit less appealing of a situation given Cortland Sutton still over there Jerry Judy's going to be coming back Tim Patrick they have better weapons but they're also coaching a little bit more logically so I like that from Noah Fant's perspective I like Hawkinson as a possible top three option. I like Fant there as a top five. And sneakily, I'd throw Hunter Henry in there as well as nobody's really reached up and grabbed the number one pass catching role in New England. Yeah, Jacoby Myers is there and he gets a ton of targets and receptions, but he's not a big playmaker for them. And Hunter Henry has a little bit of that makeup where he wouldn't surprise me if he then kept climbing at this pace he is, becomes the favorite red zone target um, and just does good work across the field. So I don't, th- I don't have a problem with him um, or any surprise if he were to finish in the top five.
1: Johnny, you share those sentiments or do you got you have another name out of these five that you think is going to climb into the top five here? I think it's it's like right there. It's right there.
0: It's Rob Gronkowski. He's tight end eight right now. You guys realize he's played two and a half games. two and a half games and he's tight end eight still. It's we're heading into week seven. He's going to come back. He was a top two. Actually, uh, I believe right when the injury happened, he was the number one overall tight end. So I do think Rob uh, Rob Gronkowski coming back pr- potentially this next week, uh, if not the week after. I think him coming back, he'll start to climb way back up there. He'll have massive target share. Uh, and he, I would expect to finish in the top three. Uh, I, my second one would be, I would agree with uh, Austin Hawkinson. I do think rest of the season, he'll get a little bit better I like how the coach did you guys see how the coach like finally called out Goff like he was like Goff like and he was like trying to hold his tongue on like not calling him out but then he just like let it out he's just like you've got to play better he has to play better like and all this stuff it was pretty epic
1: yeah I think that's uh, the sentiment we've all shared with Jared Goff and that's probably <laughs> why he's on the Detroit Lions now instead of the Los Angeles Rams but we'll move along here some interesting you you things think- uh, for, for me, I think it has to be Hawkinson or Gronk. I think you're both spot on here. Hawkinson just on pure volume, Gronk on the touchdown upside that we've seen. We know that they mm-hmm. want to get him going, but Gronk's biggest detriment, as it always has been in his career, is going to be health. Yeah. Can the guy stay on the field? Can he continue to play that position the way he's playing it violently and you know rapidly down the field in chunk yardage and continue to be a guy that's going to be able to do it week in and week out? I don't know. This is a longer season. I can't see them wanting to rush him back and get him, you know, um, in harm's way again. But we'll see. I mean, Brady does love his record. So we'll see how that goes. All right, let's move along here. And we'll start with the first game on the slate of games. It's the New York football Giants hosting the Carolina Panthers in a 43 point over under Carolina favored by three on the road here. We're going to start with the Carolina offense because over the last couple of weeks, we've seen something change in this offense. And that kind of has to start with Sam Darnold. Awesome. When we look at Sam Darnold, it looks like he kind of is showing those old traits we didn't like so much in New York. And he's kind of putting away, you know, the shiny, bright newness that we liked uh, at the beginning of this year. Do you see Sam Darnold slumping here? Uh, do you think do you see it as a cause for concern? He's statistically slumping like that's
2: not a a matter of opinion. Um, The last two weeks has been his lowest and least efficient of the season. Eight points week five, 17 on Sunday versus this versus the Vikings. I I'm not I'm going to pause a little bit and not be a prisoner of the moment. I'm going to go ahead and take a pause and reflect on the previous month's worth of output that came before this. And I'm not going to say the last two weeks are in some ways more reflective or more telling of this man's overall quarterbacking ability than the previous four weeks there. Now he, in those four weeks, he had 20 plus point games, um, four consecutive as those with three out of four of those games, throwing for over 300 yards. The Panthers were also winning most of those games during that time. Now they're 500 even, and Donald has had his worst couple games of the season. Two combined touchdowns over that two-week stretch with four total interceptions and averaging less than 200 yards, considering he was averaging over 300 yards during that positive stretch. So is he slumping? Yeah, hell yeah, he is, absolutely. Um, But is that indicative of what is to come? That's really the question. Now, I like him this week as the Giants have given up the fifth most points to wide receivers and look to offer a pretty solid get right spot for the 24-year-old quarterback here in Sam Darnold. He was always a streamer candidate for us, even though the first month of the season was such a great month. I'm streaming him in this matchup with joy and no hesitation. I just think we should reflect back on what he kind of is. Is Was he a top five quarterback like he was during that first month? Technically, yes, but nobody, none of us ranked him and saw him in that overall category. Is he a bust because the last two weeks have averaged around like 12 points? No, you take all of that work and you combine it together. And what are we looking at? We're looking at the QB 13 back end QB one high end QB two streamable option every week. Well, streamable option on a week to week basis.
1: Right, and and in the plus matchup. And I I love what you said here, giving a little bit of confidence for him. I also want to extend that confidence over to DJ Moore because DJ Moore, while still having a dominating 28% Percent of the target market share here, he's still currently the wide receiver ten in PPR, but he's only caught ten of his twenty targets over those last two weeks when we've seen Darnold struggling, and he's averaging just eight point nine points per game in those two weeks, whereas he was averaging twenty two point four PPR points per game over his first four weeks. So once again, if we're extending it to like Sam Darnold, and we're saying, are are we afraid here? I'd fear not because you're going to face an incredible matchup in the Giants, as Austin said, 28 points per game to the wide receiver position, which should help D.J. Moore and it should help Sam Darnold. The question becomes Robbie Anderson because he's seen his targets go up over nearly 10 per game over his last three. The problem is he's only caught 10 of his last 29 targets. He continues to not be the wide receiver that we saw last year that flashed. He continues to be a guy that's going to catch less than 50% of his targets. And I I just, even in this bipocalypse, I'm not out there running to put Robbie Anderson, even in the good matchup. I think this is where DJ Moore and even Sam Darnold get right. But somebody that's been even more consistent uh, than those two over the last few weeks has been Chuba Hubbard, Johnny. And in you know, yeah. instead of uh, CMC, who now has gone to the IR, Hubbard continues to be a guy who you picked up off waivers and you, or you stashed if you were the CMC owner, and he continues to pay off for you.
0: Yeah, he's been a solid RB2 for you, and I don't think that's going to change this week uh, when he goes up against uh, the Giants, who have given up the sixth most point surrender to the RB position this year. They've averaged one touchdown per game on average to the running back position, which is good and bodes well because of all the areas where Chuba's kind of struggling with, I guess you could say. It would be the fact that he only has one rushing touchdown on the season despite getting the starts despite seeing 55% or more of the snaps and three out of the four games that he's played in and 65 actually in the last two, which is nice for him. Uh, I, the touches are there. He's seen 15 or more touches in four straight games. So I do believe he is a good play this week. I do think that you could get him in your lineup and he is an RB 2 low end RB 2 with uh, high end uh, R- or low end RB one uh, upside.
1: When we look over the Giants' side of the football, Austin, it was all about Kadarius Tony last week, and then he got hurt and banged up, but Shepard quietly returned. And then qu- even quite, well, maybe loud, more loudly became that number one target again for the giants as he had done in the three games he's played this year.
2: Yeah, it's a really fun name to see coming back into consideration. Ten catches on 14 targets last week. You talk about it being quiet. It kind of was quiet, right? Like, we didn't hear a lot of NFL conversation. We didn't see in the fantasy football industry a ton of noise around Sterling Shepard. And maybe he deserves a little bit more because in every game he's played thus thus far this season, nine plus targets and seven plus receptions in each one. And then as we just mentioned, coming back from that hamstring injury, 14 targets last week, that is exceptional. He's got 10.68 yards per carry. It's not amazing, but it's not awful or anything like that. And look, it's the Giants, which is going to make him and any other skill positions output tough to predict but out of obligation due to the injuries to Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Tony Slayton's still banged up. He's not back yet Um, based on that obligation and a little bit of preference as well. They're going to be leaning on Sterling Shepard, this whole offense. Now it could just fall apart. It doesn't look like a good offense. Doesn't look like it's a competent offense. Daniel Jones has moments and then he has moments in the other direction and it, it could just fall apart. But, if they can manage any type of game plan, Sterling Shepard is going to be involved and he's going to get opportunity. And I like him as a flex option this weekend moving forward.
1: Yeah, I think he's one of the better buy guys that you're going to slot in for guys like Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Amari Cooper, you know, uh, CeeDee Lamb, these guys that you're trying to replace. I think he's one of my favorites off the waivers to do so with. Johnny, Devonta Booker, speaking of waivers, is a guy that we picked up off waivers similar to the Chuba Hubbard situation. He's going to see the volume if Saquon Barkley is not a go. It doesn't look like Saquon Barkley's back, but they did take a while to make him inactive last week. Mm -hmm. If Barkley doesn't go, how are we feeling about Booker in this game? I'm not expecting part.
0: Uh, I'm not expecting Barker, Barker, <laughs> Barkley to go. Uh, so therefore, I do think that you can play, especially uh, in such a bi riddled week. I do think Booker. You're rolling him back out there. Thirty six total touches in the last two weeks. So he's getting that volume. It's a difficult matchup, though. Carolina giving up the fewest fantasy points so far this season to opposing running backs. But again. He should be an RB3 slash flex play despite the difficult matchup due to uh bipocalypse a uh, bipocalypse happening. By
1: bipocalypse. Bi-mageddon. We're gonna say it a million times. So yes. I'm bound sure we're bound to mess it up a couple more. <laughs> um Daniel Jones is somebody I just want to touch in on before we transfer over because he had 20 or 20 point games in three of his first four. And then he hasn't cleared six fantasy points in back-to-back games. Four turnovers last week after not turning the ball over once through the first five games. And then you look at this matchup, we want to actually you know, it's tough to project because of Daniel Jones' consistency. And then Carolina, they're ranked as the fifth best pass defense in PFF, but they're allowing 20 points per game nearly to enemy quarterbacks in fantasy. I think with the amount of buys, Jones belongs on the streaming radar, especially given his rushing prowess. Danny Dimes is averaging 33 rushing yards per game this season, so that's something I want in my lineup as a streamable option. Um, I think there's other guys I prefer over him, like a Matt Ryan or even a Teddy Bridgewater. But you know, you monitor those people's um, Teddy Bridgewater's health, and Daniel Jones is somebody that you might have to, in a last ditch effort, get into your lineup. Moving on to the next game on the slate, we have the New England Patriots hosting the New York Jets in a 42 and a half point over under. New England favored by seven in this one. We look to the Jets side of the football. It's still not very exciting on at any level. But Michael Carter uh, has been somebody that's been quietly, even quieter than Sterling Shepard, doing some things on the ground and kind of taking over. Do we think with all the buys, he'd be somebody, Austin, that we'd be willing to put in given his recent emergence? We got you muted, brother. You're muted. Appreciate that. They, uh, I
2: think so. Bye weeks are unavoidable, which is going to make avoided players inevitably unavoidable. And that's where I find Michael Carter right now. His viability now increases due to the lack of options around him, resulting from those bye weeks. He's the only halfback in the New York Jets backfield in the last two weeks to crack a 50% snap percentage. And he's also collected touchdowns in back both of those games back to back now, but temper expectations as he hasn't broken 40 yards rushing during that span. And he's gotten 10 plus carries um, plus anybody's gotten just 10 plus or 10 total carries with those aerial targets involved as well. It's the jets. It's a committee backfield, but Carter has that play style and borderline opportunity to edge on the flex consideration as is pair that with the upcoming buys. And I think he's a fine filler in there for you.
1: Yeah. I want to talk about Corey Davis and Jamison Crowder, mostly Corey Davis, because I think he's more on the radar than, um, Crowder. We'll look at Crowder 11 catches on 15 targets for 85 yards and a touchdown over the two games that he's returned from injury, but he's going to face a new England defense that he played against them last year. And he saw six targets caught all six of them, but failed to clear 60 total yards in both of the games that he played against them combined. Um, I'm fading all pass catchers. And that includes Corey Davis. It's been quite the roller coaster with Corey Uh, 2 20 point games in PPR fantasy um, and then three under nine points in PPR fantasy Uh, has seven or more targets in four or five games this season. So there is some usage that gets you excited. But New England, they've been middle of the pack against wide receivers. But Davis himself went against the same Patriots secondary in week two. He got two of five targets for eight yards. I think that Bill Belichick understands that Corey Davis is maybe one of the few playmakers on this team. They're going to have an answer for Corey Davis. He's not somebody, even with all the buys that I'm considering this week. I want to jump over to the other side and the other pass catchers for the New England Patriots, Johnny, because Jacoby Myers has been the opposite maybe of Corey Davis, where he's remained PPR consistent over the last six weeks or so.
0: Yeah, Jacoby Myers is the Patriots' offense, uh, passing offense, uh, and receiving offense in 2021. It's just what it is. Uh, he's ran a route on 94.7 percent of this team's dropbacks, he's seen 23.9 percent of the targets, and has recorded uh, 28 percent of the Pats' air yards so far this season. He is becoming that go to guy for Mac Jones, who Mac Jones. And New England. So, despite the low passing volume, he is the only guy that I am uh, throwing into my lineup because he's the only guy I can uh, guarantee targets. Bourne looking interesting. Ca- caught that awesome uh, touchdown, you know, in the in the last couple of minutes there. And um, if you started him, you got lucky. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't play him this week.
1: Awesome. When we look at Damian Harris, he was somebody that was banged up coming into last week and then had a strong performance. He's looking to build on that as as they are heavy favorites at home in this one.
2: Yeah, I love Damian Harris. We thought he could be negatively impacted last week due to the rib situation. Took that concern and turned it into 18 carries and near season high and 101 rushing yards season high in a game that really wasn't fully game flowed in his favor. I like to see that. We were kind of thinking Damian Harris was a game flow dependent halfback. He's still not a matchup proof or game flow proof halfback, but he is heavily, heavily involved. And this gives me confidence in Damian Harris. But I have to mention Ramondre Stevenson, who also had his best game of the season with over 12 fantasy points resulting from eight touches found both on the ground and through the air. And he just looked good too. I think about Ramondre Stevenson the way I think about a garnishment on my food if I'm a picky eater and I don't like garnishments. Like is parsley that noticeable? No, not really. But if you don't like it, it keeps you from feeling really, really good about what you're about to eat. And that's how I see <laughs> Ramondre Stevenson garnishing yeah. Damian Harris right now. Doesn't really impact the meat all that much, but it does a little And more so for the presentation, you're just not as stoked about seeing Damian Harris on your lineup, knowing that Ramondre Stevenson's over there and might soup up one of these touchdowns might soup up some viable work there, but I'm liking Damian Harris this week, going up against a bottom defense in New York. And sometimes I'm concerned with game flow being going up against a team. That's like so bad that they can just do whatever they want, but I'm not concerned about that here. New York has played better and I don't know how good the Patriots actually are anyways so damian harris is their dude i think he's gonna be heavily involved Ramondre stevenson and bolden curb him a little bit but it's damian harris's running back room right now i don't see that slowing down i think he eats into that reputation even more in a substantial
1: way this week speaking of eating are we supposed to eat the parsley is that like what are we supposed to do with that yeah you just mix it ask me for a friend you just mix it in there you mix it in with your dish what about when it's the stem parsley and they just have it on the side you want to you eat that johnny Oh, no, I just – I don't eat that part. I just leave it over there.
0: I put it but in my mouth and keep
2: it there with all of the food I chew throughout the meal. That's not what yeah, you're
1: Yeah, oh, it's not, that, is that what you, it, it accentuates the palate? Is that what it's we're like supposed gum. to do? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. like, um... <laughs> well, somebody that's accentuating the passing game a little bit is Hunter Henry for Mac Jones. Uh, Three straight games with touchdowns and three straight games over 10 fantasy points in PPR. Has only cleared 40 yards twice in six games, but seems to be this red zone threat for Mac Jones. And then you look at the Jets, they're nearly giving up 10 points per game. Hunter Henry is on your radar, especially with, as we said, Bipocalypse. Say it with me, folks. We'll be saying it, I'm, I'm sure, on every single one of these. Bipocalypse. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you, uh, Austin follows (laughs) directions like a pro. I love it. Uh, We're going to move on here to the Tennessee Titans versus the Kansas City Chiefs. Probably the most exciting matchup for fantasy points scored on the week because Vegas thinks this will be the highest over under 57.5 points uh, because both of these secondaries, both of these defenses are struggling in a major way. You have the Kansas City Chiefs favored by 5.5 on the road here. Austin, I want to start with you because Daryl Williams, again, the theme is a waiver wire running back that's in relief of the starter who has done some good things and seen some good volume, and he showed up in a big way in relief against Washington here. Are you rolling Daryl Williams out there again based on that volume? Most definitely. I'm going to keep doing that until CEH
2: is down and out. Jarek McKinnon is the other half back getting a little bit more work, a little bit more work with the injured reserved situation there with CEH. So we look at Daryl Williams and Jarek McKinnon. Both are going to be the they're going to be the running backs for the Kansas City Chiefs. And I know they're 500 right now, but it's still the Kansas City Chiefs. And both of these running backs had four total targets. Um, but Jared McKinnon had just three carries versus Daryl Williams's 21. Now, Williams wasn't efficient with these 21 carries, only 62 yards for a 2.95 yards per carry. Ugh. But he is the goal line back, and he snagged two touchdowns last week. And this type of opportunity can be expected moving forward as long as CEH is out. If they had bigger plans for Jerick McKinnon, We would have seen them this week. Now, it does make sense to spread the ball out even more considering Daryl Williams didn't do a lot of efficient work, but it's not going to be spread out that much more. They want him to be the replacement for CEH, and I'm going to be riding Daryl Williams until CEH is out, but I'm not necessarily expecting 20-plus touches and two touchdowns every week the way we saw last week, but he's going to be a solid back-end RB2 for you with upside.
1: Yeah, I think that it's not very interesting outside of Daryl Williams for the Kansas City Chiefs, being that we know who we're starting, we know who we're rolling out there. I did want to mention, though, Tyreek Hill is missing practice with the quad. He was able to play through it last week. Um, we're going to continue to monitor that, but he's seen 12 or more targets in four of six games. He's the PPR wide receiver, too. Like He, he belongs as the guy in your lineup if he goes, especially given the buys. But I think Nicole Hardman deserves some sneaky flex uh, consideration. He's got three games with double-digit PPR fantasy points, three games without. He's cleared six 60 yards in back-to-back games he's got sneaky flex play this week because Tennessee secondary it's been tagged up for the most points per game to wide receivers and they've given up the most wide receiver touchdowns with 10 this season if, if Vegas loves this for points I think you can do a lot worse than throwing Miko Hardman in your flex and hoping that he breaks free for a touchdown in this one especially with all the points that are to be scored in this game so I like him You know, similar to the reasoning we like Shepard and Shepard's volume. I like Mecole Hardman for an ability to kind of hit the ceiling here in this particular game. So Um, to
0: to sum you up, Big Travi, you're trying to say that you're
1: predicting that
0: Mecole is got to break free. this weekend
1: uh, yeah I think I think there's a good spot for him to do that I I don't know if I want to call my shot exactly but I mean sure why not we'll, you we'll won't some, you do we'll it do it is here and call yeah, it I think good whole a good one is a good bet to get into the end zone this week Johnny did you want to add anything with Travis Kelsey we obviously know he's in a tougher matchup uh against the Tennessee defense against tight ends, but we don't really care.
0: No, because they're going to move Kelsey all around. That's just it it, on paper. It looks bad, but again, it's just because they funnel everything to the wide receivers. And guess who plays wide receiver as well? Travis Kelsey. So he's fine.
1: On the other side, we have the Tennessee Titans and Johnny. I think it's, it's important to ask if we can trust Ian Hill because he's just been so bad this year, even in plus matchups. And this is one of the better matchups we're going to have Can you get Tannehill in your lineup this week?
0: Yeah, he has been teeny heel this this year because it's not the same guy we've been seeing in past years. He's really been struggling to put it together for fantasy, and it's wild that we're actually asking ourselves, listen, do we roll out Brian Tannehill in the best matchup uh, or the second best matchup that he could possibly have against Kansas City? Uh, That's how bad it is, but I'm going to tell you, you can this will be the last time if he doesn't perform listen it's been bad only two games in which Ryan Tannehill has eclipsed 20 fantasy points this season so it's been it's been really bad but like I said this is a get-right spot. Kansas City allowing the second most fantasy points. Two quarterbacks. They've allowed three rushing touchdowns so far to opposing quarterbacks as well. And we know Ryan Tannehill. We saw it on Monday night. Likes to pull every once in a while and say, "Oh, I'm going to take this one." Derrick Henry. I'll take this and sneak it into the end zone this one time. So I do think Ryan Tannehill is a
2: uh, fine play this week. But you think I'm- we're going to get more? You think we're going to get more of a Ryan Tannehill mountain? <sighs> Yeah, tana, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, We've been maybe. getting this he season could... a bit of a Ryan tana bump.
1: Yeah, yeah. it's been like a yeah. dirt, dirt man. It's been terrible. It's um, been awful. Also, well, but... I want to play a little name game here because Johnny's getting a little fired up on Tannehill. So let's play a little name game. Do we like Derek Carr <laughs> or Ryan Tannehill this week? I like Tannehill. Derek Carr against the Philadelphia Eagles,
2: good matchup. You know what? I I think I would go on. Ah, the numbers are Derek Carr, but I, I'll just go with I think Tannehill is in a bit of a get right spot. I think that right. the Titans are feeling good and it's a great matchup and they're gonna coming have to coming off a slow. huge and AJ win. Brown is back. AJ Brown yeah. is back.
1: Well, let's but, let's but let's move mean? yeah, let's move there with AJ Brown because he is back. He's gotten two through two games healthy, unlike Julio Jones, who is not. Right. And so Austin, how fired up in this matchup are we for AJ Brown? Because you talked about get right for Ryan Tannehill. This should be a huge get right for yeah, AJ Brown. I, I think you can get right and you can get excited
2: about A.J. Brown. But let me set the setting here first of where we're rising from because this has not been an amazing season for A.J. Brown and for those who drafted him. He's got 28.4 points in standard settings combined all year. Like Derrick Henry had over 30 points last week. A.J. Brown has 28.4 points on the year. Mm -hmm. He's been banged up, but even still, uh, 28.4 points through five games and four of those he played all the way through. It's not easy just to flip the switch and start producing at a high level within the NFL. But if anybody is in a position to do so and has the ability to do so, it's A.J. Brown. Julio Jones just re-aggravated his hammy, meaning it's A.J. and A.J. alone, minus Nick Westbrook. But, you know, that doesn't really mean anything. He's going to be forced to get, he's going to be forced passes. And here's the thing. Derek Henry has actually kind of like the flip impact in that Derek Henry is going to demand defensive attention and help out AJ Brown. Like usually we see it the other way around when you have a passing attack, that's, viable that creates more running lanes for the running back and that still will do to derrick henry but like even without running even without wide receivers derrick henry's been doing his thing and that is going to dictate more attention from the defense which is going to create more opportunities for aj brown he's just so darn good and he looks like he's actually finally healthy and they don't have any other real options i like aj brown a lot in this matchup i expect some force fed action coming his way
1: Speaking of feeding, you've got to feed the big dog, Derrick Henry, who is the king, and he sits atop the rankings because he's not seen fewer than 20 carries, 113 yards, or 19 PPR fantasy points in four straight contests. And then guess what? Going to get the worst-ranked rushing defense in the NFL per PFF in 2021. That's the Kansas City Chiefs. So from the big dog, though, we'll go to underdog fantasy, and I want to tell Whisper Nation about underdog fantasy. It's the best and easiest place to play fantasy football for big cash prizes. They have player prop bets like over and under on touchdowns, receiving yardage, rushing totals, and so much more. We're going to help you with all this information we give you, build the best bet slips each week. And when you go to underdogfantasy.com or download the app, they're going to give you $10 when you use the promo code TFW. That's underdogfantasy.com or download the app and use the promo code TFW for $10 of free money. That's TFW for $10. The next game on the slate will be our Green Bay Packers Austin in their fresh new 1950s green and yellow uniforms they've <laughs> yeah, been showcasing. Uh, these look bad. a hey, dude, I'm so stoked
0: for these. They're from. They're from then.
1: That's what they they went back in yeah. the yeah. Uh, yeah, they, look yeah, they actually got those exact ones. Then. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, they're not even tattered or anything. No. <laughs> no. Uh, um but the, the Packers are going to be heavy favorites here in this one. 49-point over-under, 8.5-point favorites at home in Lambeau. We'll start with the underdogs, though, uh, and that's the Washington football team. And I'm going to start with your boy, or actually our boy. I love Gibson so much. But right now, his, his health is not something we're excited about, Austin. Um, and he's I'm not sure if he's going to be in and if he's out, who do we trust in these running backs that when you take a look at this and you project it, especially in this game as heavy dogs, how do you look at this one?
2: Yeah. You know, I'm going to be starting McKissick in our league of record where I have Antonio Gibson and JD McKissick. And I'm not even really considered, I don't even really care what the Washington team reports coming out of camp and uh, out of, out of practice this week. You know, I've seen enough from Mr. Stress fracture in his shin Antonio Gibson to know that his ceiling is lower And it's just about the opportunity matching up now with his overall viability. And that opportunity has overshadowed his viability. We saw that two weeks ago where he had 20 touches, just 60 yards, but two total touchdowns. I don't think we're going to see that type of forced involvement anymore. We didn't see it last week. We saw Antonio Gibson with his helmet in his hand on the sidelines with time on the clock and points that needed to be scored. It looked like it was a voluntary decision to put him down. And JD McKissick came in, stepped up. He did pretty well. Um, JD McKissick came in eight carries 45 yards, and then did some real work on through the air, eight catches on 10 targets for 65 yards. The question then becomes about, uh, the third other running back there, Patterson, who I would expect to maybe eat into that early down work if Gibson were to sit, but I'm not actually really going to put a lot of work in uh, Patterson's expectations moving forward, because him and McKissick are actually built in similar fashions. Like they're both undersized dude. They're both at one ninety five. Um, Patterson's a little bit shorter than J D. McKissick there at five foot eight. But it's J D. McKissick would be the next man up, and I'm getting a little bit of Austin Eckler light vibes from J.D. McKissick if he were to be involved. He's been pretty good. He's been catching balls really well. He's been running pretty efficiently. He's no Antonio Gibson, but opportunity is king. He's good enough to do good work with that opportunity, and it could even end up being a good thing. I just hope they straight-up three-week IR Antonio Gibson. Just let him heal up a little bit. Turn the keys over to J.D. McKissick. He can't handle a full 17-game season. We don't need him to. We need him to handle the next three weeks. I
0: would I would uh, grab Patterson. Cause Patterson, um, the thing about Patterson, uh, is that, yeah, he's a small guy, but because he's small, it puts his BMI at 85%. And so he's actually a way more stout back than McKissick is. And so you could, and they, and they like him a lot. And so he could, he should definitely get that early down roll and take over the Gibson role. And then they'll keep McKissick because McKissick is a scat back. He can't stay healthy if they give him a full workload. So just monitor that for sure.
1: Yeah, I think Patterson would be a hold. I don't know if we're, he's, this is definitely a McKissick game script. I mean, they're eight and a half points. Right. I'm just saying, uh, I'm just saying for the
0: Gibson, if Gibson goes on IR, which has been because he's going for a second opinion, which is never good, um, Patterson would be a guy that you should look on waivers to get.
1: Yeah, I'd just be concerned that the downgrade to from Gibson to Patterson is not something that's like we're going to be like running out to go get. Oh, yeah. And it's not I'm like a you, he's good.
0: He's good. I'm telling you, he came out of college early. He was one of those guys. He went to a smaller uh, college and he came out early because he knew like he was that talented. Yeah. And, and that's, I'm just, just I mean, I
1: I don't really buy that, but I I mean, he's undrafted and he's a guy that they comp to like a Devin Singletary. So an undersized back, like I, I don't know that he's going to be anything special. And again, once again, if you're going to go with a light version of the back, you want that back to get all the volume. Like we're seeing with a Devonte Booker or a Daryl Williams, if they're going to be, you know, 80%, 70% of the back they're taking over for, we want them to get all the volume. He's not going to do that because Gibson wasn't even getting all the volume. So for right. me, it's just not really a very priority ad. I do believe he's a hold. We want to see how that progresses. But again, McKissick's getting so much of the passing down and two minute drill that I just don't know how worth it, it's going to be to have. But I want to move us on to Terry McLaurin, who's had a couple of weeks where he's uh, just kind of flashed. Not the same McLaurin that we saw in the first month of the season. So similar to the DJ Moore and Sam Darnold takes where the last couple of weeks have been a struggle. Are we concerned about Terry McLaurin, Johnny, over the next few weeks? Not at all. Uh, I actually, you know, he Terry McLaurin has gone through a couple of
0: rough weeks. Um, you know, it is what it is. Eight catches for 78 yards, not glorious. Um, He has struggled a little bit with Taylor Heineke, which is a little bit of a surprise over the last couple of games, hitting just 10 of his 19 targets, which have been deemed catchable. So uh, with Heineke struggling a little bit, there has been some concerns. However, we do know that Ryan Fitzmagic is potentially coming back soon. And we also know that Terry McLaurin is the number one wide receiver that not only ranks uh, for Washington, but in this in this league or in the uh, NFL right now he is elite in air yards deep targets and target share He is ranking among the league's elite. Uh, So this is going to be a, a good matchup for him. It's a get right spot for him. And that Green Bay is allowing a lot to the receiver right now, especially because Jair Alexander is out. That's why they have been kind of struggling more so over the last couple of weeks. So I do think this is a get right spot for Terry McLaurin. I'm getting him in my lineup
2: this week. Got to mention the hamstring, too. He's been yeah, dealing with hamstring injury, which is going to have right. an impact. And if we go to the game before the hamstring ever entered the scene two weeks ago against yeah. Atlanta, 123 yards, two touchdowns on 13 targets, 11 targets two weeks ago, eight targets yeah. the week before that.
1: Yeah, yeah, so a little bit banged, banged up, right. a little bit not been able to kind of reach that next level. You're hoping he can get that right and get back to where he was going. But, yeah, I agree that, like, we can kind of trust the volume and his role in the offense to float him in the meantime. I want to talk mm-hmm. about some more volume with Ricky Seals-Jones. He's played 100% of the snaps last week. It's your boy. Yeah, he saw, he saw four of six targets for 58 yards and a touchdown. Continues to see the snaps, targets, and production that was expected out of Logan Thomas. Um, And he's seeing that as Logan Thomas is out of the out of the uh, situation with the uh, injury. Of course, Green Bay has been tough um, on defenses, as Johnny mentioned. But all around, um, there is room for the uh, for him to work here for RSJ because they've allowed eight and a half points per game to the tight end this season. So you continue to roll out RSJ, obviously all the buys. But again, he was a guy you picked up to kind of stream during this time that Logan Thomas was out. And I, I think you can continue to do that. On the other side of the ball, we have the Green Bay Packers. We kind of know what this is. You know, it's Aaron Rodgers, it's Devontae Adams, it's Aaron Jones. But recently, um, we've had a situation where AJ a- 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 Dillon has kind of emerged at a as a more of a Jamal Williams plus, you know, than what Jamal Williams was last year, uh, Austin. So, do we think that actually inhibits or you know um, takes away from Aaron Jones' ceiling with AJ a- Dillon and this work that's happening?
2: You know what? A little bit. Yeah, it, it sure does. And we talked about at the top of the year, if AJ Dillon was a better running back than Jamal Williams, he was going to get all of that Jamal Williams work, plus eat into Aaron Jones's work a little bit. It makes a lot of sense to do so. And I think if we look at the first two through the first, Week two through six for Aaron Jones, and then weeks four through six, when that ankle injury started to come in, we can get a little bit of a sample size that I believe is a microcosm for the larger situation here. In weeks two through six, Aaron Jones is the number five overall halfback. And in weeks four through six, he's been the RB13. So he, you know, he's a RB one kind of situated like Back end RB1, just in general, speaking, I think, with the situation. But without Dylan, we've got a top five halfback in Aaron Jones, borderline elite. And with Dylan, he's a back end RB1, high end RB2 with a lot of upside. Um, and But he gets a lot of work in the passing game coming too. So Aaron Jones has the volume on the ground that he's pretty darn efficient with. Yeah, he might not get 20 touches, but 10, 11, 12, 15 touches on the ground from Aaron Jones are going to go pretty far. And then he is that pass catching back, plays on a good team, plays on a good offense yeah no it does bring him down a little bit as AJ Dillon moves into starts trying to compete for some flex consideration it just kind of takes Aaron Jones from a a borderline elite running back to a back-end RB1
1: Johnny when we look at the rest of the offense obviously it's Devontae Adams and then it's kind of everybody else you know we've seen Mm -hmm. Alan Lazard have a big game we've seen Randall Cobb have a big game Tunyon have a decent game but nobody's consistently strung it together outside of Adams and so does that is that the reason why we're seeing Rodgers not really hit the, the peak of his abilities here? He's kind of been a fringe QB one, but how much of that has to do with week one and how much of that has to do with the Packer, the state of the Packers offense.
0: It definitely has a lot to do with how he performed in week one, because I just want to point this out. Whisper nation. I got scrutinized on Monday night for asking about Pat Mahomes and being worried about Pat Mahomes, and, and Big Travy ran me over with the bus, reversed it, ran me over again, called me crazy, and then put it into drive and then picked up some children yeah, well, and then it was ran crazy me over to, again. It was crazy because, to ask if but, we're
1: worried about the number one overall QB. But and yeah, you're absolutely but shocked yet, to find out he was the Arp, the QB one. But yet,
0: so. Hold on, hold on. I'm not done with my point yet. <laughs> but yet, Big Travy poses this question to me. Is Aaron Rodgers still a QB one? And yet, despite Aaron Rodgers not hitting that ceiling, he has outperformed Pat Mahomes three out of the six weeks so far this season. So let me ask you, Big (laughs) Trabby, are you concerned about Aaron Rodgers being a quarterback one the rest of the season? Because I certainly am not. I certainly am not. I don't think he's going to be nearly as efficient as he was last year because last year he was the MVP. Yeah, but yeah,
1: I think it's still going to
0: be a QB one.
1: Yeah, I think the question mostly comes from the industry. I don't I don't sit here and pretend to speak for the industry or speak for everyone that's involved in fantasy football. But that is kind of where I'm gathering. this. Are we concerned with. Aaron Rodgers and the lack of efficiency in the offense taking away from his ceiling. And you can't deny that it has. You've talked about how rest of season you think he's QB seven, eight, you know, somewhere around there. But that's about where we picked him up. So I think that's fine. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that's fine to kind of believe that's where he's going to be. It was just about what do we do? Are we going to play more matchup based? Are we going to pick up guys off waivers and play in tough matchups? You know, and what about these games? And what about these games against a Washington where he is eight and a half point favorites? Are we scared off of game script games where it could be the Aaron Jones show or hey. we continue to rolling him out? It's just an overall heat check on our guy, Aaron Rodgers, who last year was a set and forget QB one. And does he still become a set and forget QB one? Maybe that's how I should have phrased the question.
0: Let me. If you're scared, go to church. All right. Uh, this is Aaron Rodgers. All right. He is going to be beyond find. Not only this week, this week he goes up against the best matchup for quarterbacks. So you're definitely getting him in this week. He's going to absolutely smash. Uh, but I, yeah, I do, Green Bay's I implied do total is
1: just under 30, so I, I yeah, you know, I guess uh, you're going to continue to roll him out there.
0: I, but to your point, to your point, he is a little bit more matchup based because of uh the low of uh, low volume and that offense. Like they they haven't been having to to climb out of a lot of games really, uh, which puts it a little bit more on Aaron Rodgers. Some of those games are coming up, uh, but I do think Aaron Rodgers is going to be just fine. If, if you know. I don't know if we're going to see very many like forty to fifty point games from him this year, but he he definitely can. He still has it in his bag of weapons. It's just uh, they're just being really efficient with the ball right now.
1: Makes sense to me. They definitely play a little bit more ball control than they have the last couple of years. I see. Really quick, I think if he can get off of Devonte Adams, he's going to open up. I mean, that, that's, the, that's the key, right? We, if we can get one more consistent weapon, just one, I think, one more consistent, if, if Tanyan can get back to form, if we can get a healthy MVS when he comes back from the IR, something has to break La- here. Lazard can take a jump yeah, up. Was, one of these guys can can kind of come through for a multiple week stint. Then I think we're looking at rogers hitting his ceiling and so you know we're getting a lot of questions about trading qbs in whisper nation right now and so he was just one i wanted to kind of pinpoint i wanted to put a finger on the pulse here and talk about where we're at with rogers and what we see if there's brighter days ahead or if we think he's just going to be that and i don't mean to say ho-hum you know <laughs> qb seven eight but that's kind of where we're at or we're trying to look at like ceilings. so you just said it i'm uh, clipping speaking- it out Speaking of ho-hum, we've got a game uh, between some two ho-hum teams here. Miami is going to host the Atlanta Falcons here. This is a 47.5 point over-under, decent-sized over-under. We've got Atlanta favored by two on the road. We look at the Atlanta Falcons. I wanted to talk about Matt Ryan first because prior to the bye in his last two contests, Matty Ice has kind of been a little bit hot here. 40 attempts per game, six touchdowns and no interceptions, back-to-back games with over 20 fantasy points. In fact, he hasn't thrown any interceptions in any game other than the Tampa game, Tampa Bay game that he threw three in. So he's actually been very efficient and very turnover- uh, you know, not very turnover prone in the in the other games other than the Tampa game. Ryan's now gonna get Miami. They've been getting blasted. The tune of 315 passing yards and two touchdowns led up per game on average. So I actually like Matt Ryan as one of those other streamers here during bipocalypse that we can kind of turn to in this one. And that is partly because he's gonna get Calvin Ridley back, Austin. And how do we feel about Calvin Ridley? We have the other weapons emerging kind of in Atlanta, and Ridley was touted as this number one guy that we have to lock and load into our lineup. He's not an
2: auto start for me. He's not an auto start rest of season for me. Um, In in, through six weeks in 2021, uh, I mean, we can all piece together the narrative of why Calvin Ridley should be a locked in wide receiver, top level wide receiver, pre-draft top wide receiver last year. It's Matt Ryan, Julio Jones is gone, but this offense is moving slower than it has in years past and it's putting up fewer points pitts is moving up cordial patterson is moving up as we like to talk about um i like ridley but in a world where there's a lot of sprouting up wide receivers a guy who's averaging under 65 yards per game and who has just one touchdown on the season is going to earn a little bit more consideration from me before i put him in my lineup and forget about it
1: yeah i um it, it does it is a cause con for concern with Ridley because there are other weapons that have emerged. He hasn't been the only one we thought he was going to be because Pitts is involved. And then quarter Patterson, Johnny, who we're looking at right now, is this somebody that can continue this torrid pace? Do we like CPAC going out of the buy and continuing on? We talked about him last Monday night stream, not this past one, but the one before that about a guy that actually probably isn't going away anytime soon.
0: Yeah, I don't project that him, that
1: he's going to be going away. I think he
0: continues to get the production or get the touches that he's been seeing. Will it mount to the production that he's had so far this season? That might, might come down because it's been kind of uh, not things that you can bank on as far as why he's been able to uh, outperform that production. However, though, you know, he's the fantasy glitch you're going to keep using them he saw uh most amount of carries that he's ever seen against the gents this season with 14 he usually sees around seven per game i do think it was because really was out so i do think that'll go back to more about the seven to eight tar- uh, touches uh, as far as running back carries go and then you're seeing him see about six to seven targets per game as well and he's seen at least one red zone carry in all but one game this season. So you're going to continue to fire him up uh, as like a low end RB2, obviously, as number one overall upside. He's done it a couple of times. Miami, a good matchup, too, for it. Miami giving up the fifth most fantasy points to running backs this season. And they've given up 950 scrimmage yards and nine total touchdowns to the running back. So I do like Patterson this week. I also wouldn't mind rolling out uh, Mike Davis, who quietly is consistently seeing over 60% of the snaps at the running back positions, 15 to 16 touches in four out of five games this season, guys. So three red zone carries in three out of five games as well. You talk about Miami traveling back from New England that they could be a little sluggish i do think that you could start both cordell and mike davis in this matchup
1: yeah, Miami just been gashed against the running back, uh, so that's mm-hmm. a definitely a good spot there. I want to talk a little bit about Kyle Pitts. Obviously, you're going to continue to roll him out there. He saw his best game right before the bye. Ten targets, nine catches, over 100 yards and a touchdown, and then he's going to get a team in Miami that's giving up eight and a half points per game to the tight end, so we like Kyle Pitts to continue to do his thing, see a lot of yard, uh, a lot of usage, a lot of routes run, and should continue to get targets in that offense the way it's set up. We look at the Miami side of the football. By the time you hear this, maybe things have changed up. There's a lot of rumors swirling around here, but I want to talk a little bit about Tua Tagovailoa in this matchup. If he is the starting quarterback for Miami this weekend, I think he's in a good spot. In his first game back from fractured ribs, Tua threw for over 300 yards. He posted 20 fantasy points. He now has over 17 fantasy points in both the games that he played uh, Was able uh, in the ones that he was able to play all the way through. He also added 22 rushing yards last week, which was nice to see. Atlanta has, allowed, has been had uh, via quarterback allowing the fourth most points per game to the position. So I think, again, another guy on the streaming radar this week. And part of that has to do with his weapons, Johnny. And we look at uh, Jalen Waddle is really the only one we're looking at to be trustworthy outside of Mike Kosicki, possibly. But uh, in the as far as the wide receivers, how do you look at Waddle in this matchup?
0: If Because of the bi again, uh, he's a wide receiver. Three-flex play for me. He does have some upside. You do like the fact.
1: Johnny's got some technical difficulties here, so I'm actually just going to move it over to Austin here and talk about Miles Gaskin. Then we'll pick it back up with uh, Waddle when we can get Johnny back. But Gaskin, the big question, Austin, has been if Gaskin is droppable because he just has we can't bank on any of this usage right now. And it's been maddening trying to figure out when we can start and play him.
2: Yeah, I'm not dropping him, that's for sure. I'm not probably starting him, but it's there's too many variables coming into the mix that could point to increased production for Gaskin that I'm not going to be dropping him right now as long as I can afford it and get through the buys. Otherwise, you know, Tua just came back, and two weeks ago, Gaskin topped 20 points. Um, I'm not going to drop Gaskin. I think he's fully capable of breaking 20 points as we just saw him do it, and the players around him are not giving me a lot of pause on on thinking Gaskin is the dude he's the only back to break 40 combined yards this season and he's done it in four out of six games it is a committee it's going to shrink it all um, but Gaskin benefits the way it's set up and he doesn't even need for the committee really to shrink for him to pop he he's He's not going to be consistent, but he does have that upside. I like this team better also than some of the other bottom-level teams like the New York Jets or the Giants. They have potential. They have explosiveness. And I also like him this week, actually. Atlanta is middle of the road in terms of defense. And I think Miami's going to catch a little bit of a tailwind with Tua coming back. And um, I, no, I wouldn't drop him, but I'm not going to be starting him. Um, but this week, I could flex him, especially with all the extra buys that we have to consider.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great call. Johnny, we good? We got you back with us. Uh, You able to break down kind of some of the reasons why you like Waddle this week?
0: Yeah, I don't know what all you heard. Sorry, I apologize for that. My internet just went out. You guys, Whisper Nation knows all about those, uh, my internet connections and all that. But I will say, I don't know if you caught any, but. Atlanta is allowing the tenth most fantasy points to wide receivers this this uh, season. So if you do need to get him in your lineup as like a wide receiver three flex play with upside, I do think you can. Especially if Parker goes out, uh, then you should see him get uh, and garner a, you know ten plus targets. He scored both of his touchdowns with Tua. So I do think that you can trust Waddle uh, this week in this matchup.
1: Somebody we've been able to trust is Mike Gesicki. He's been a top 12 tight end, tight end one. It uh, hasn't been overwhelming, but hasn't been underwhelming. So we continue to roll him out there, Johnny.
0: Yeah, Atlanta giving up 197 yards so far to tight ends. But you like this part, three touchdowns as well. Gesicki with six or more targets in all but one game. He has only scored one touchdown. So can we say, predict, Huh? how are we going to say it? Mike Josecki scores a touchdown this weekend.
1: Oh, John calling his shot there. We're going to call our shot on the last game of the part one matchup breakdown here. Baltimore is going to be hosting Cincinnati Bengals in an AFC North showdown. This is a 47 point over under with Baltimore favored by six and a half, almost a touchdown at home. Awesome. When we look at Joe Burrow, he's been heating up lately, but Baltimore's recent performance against Justin Herbert. Is a little bit scary. We also have the performance where they gave Wentz. You know, they Wentz had a little bit of uh, of their of his way with them on Monday night. So, which performance has you like? Are you scared off of Joe Burrow against Baltimore here? No, no, I'm not really. I'm scared of Baltimore, but I'm not
2: going to tell you which part of them I am scared of at any given week. So they, they, because they flash at every position on offense and they kind of flash at every position on defense. And it's pretty rare that they string them all together every week. So going up against the chargers last week and shutting Justin Herbert down of sorts does not necessarily make me think that we're following a trend here. Um, The Raiders give up fewer points to quarterbacks than the Ravens do as do the jets and the Vikings, and even the Bengals. All of these teams give up less points to the quarterbacking position than the Baltimore Ravens do. They're good, the Ravens are, but I'm not intimidated. And Burrow has been doing well in utilizing his weapons. He doesn't have to do it all by himself, and that's kind of what gives me confidence in Joe Burrow starting him both this week and moving forward, even in tougher matchups. He's not going to get you a 40-burger, likely, but I expect his back-end QB1 season to continue as well as in this game.
1: Yeah, he seems to be a guy that's going to consistently get you around the 20 mark, and then some of these games it'll be spiked to 26, 28, depending on what's going on in that game. This is, you know, they have a lower implied total here, but again, you talked about those weapons, Austin, and it's really about those weapons that he has. Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd here. If we break down the wide receivers, I think we know that Jamar Chase is the alpha. 25% of the target market share. He's cleared 75 yards or scored a touchdown in every single game this year. We then go down the list, and we can see what's kind of Happened here. T. Higgins has 15% of the market share, but he's missed two games. He's also seen six or more targets in three straight games that he's played. So he's definitely still involved. And then you look at Tyler Boyd, 22% of the market share, but again, missed two. Uh, T. Higgins missed two games. He's only seen nine or more targets in two of the six games, has Tyler Boyd. And he hasn't d- seen double digit targets in any game with T. Higgins this year. So we kind of see what we have with these uh, wide receivers in Cincinnati jamar chase locked and loaded wide receiver one t higgins he's a wide receiver three with some wide receiver two upside each and every week especially in a week where we've got a lot of guys out but it's tyler boyd here guys who has the best matchup because he's gonna see um the baltimore slot corner Tavon young who has been allowing 84 percent catch percentage to wide receivers that he faces this year i mean that is great stuff here i think they that Tyler Boyd will remain a matchup dependent flex, especially if T Higgins is going to remain a little bit banged up, but this is a decent spot to play him with by apocalypse. And in this game, I think that that Tyler Boyd's the one I'd be targeting out of T Higgins and Tyler Boyd in this particular matchup. I uh, just want to speak briefly on Joe Mixon, 16 or more carries uh, in five of six games played. The injury looked fully behind him last week, over mm-hmm. 150 scrimmage yards and a touchdown. So I don't think we have any concern with Joe Mixon going forward. Baltimore has given up nearly 20 points per game to the running back this season, and the volume would float him alone, even if they were a tough matchup. On the Asking, other side, I want to ask for, ask for a friend, uh, you
0: know, someone just DM, a friend of mine just DM me and ask, yeah. uh, would you would you drop? Tony Pollard for Tyler Boyd if you need if you're on like a bipop pop by apocalypse and you had like six people out.
1: No, I don't think I'd be giving up Tony Pollard going forward. Uh, it's what, if it, too what if it meant not playing? What if it meant not
0: playing a starter?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you can. Yeah, I think you're okay to do that. I think in that situation, just because like, we, you know, I think we don't need to worry about blowing up for one win, especially with the the extra game this year, like the extra the extended season. I don't think we want to blow up our core. And I consider Pollard to be a core player uh, in a lot of rosters just because of the upside period. Uh, All right. I'll let my friend know. Uh, yeah, sounds good. Uh, Austin, you're my friend, and I wanted to ask you about the running back situation in Baltimore. Even though that's not what friends should do to each other, it's not a very good <laughs> thing to ask about. But is it possible for any of these guys to emerge here? Because we saw all three of these old fogies get a touchdown last week. Is there anything at play here if we were to see this? Uh, you know, we we talk about RBBCs that we don't want them, but so many times throughout the years, somebody emerges by the time the year ends as a guy you want to play. I don't think we're going to get an emergence of a clear cut guy. You're going to look to start. That was Tyson
2: Williams. Easy come, easy go. He's a healthy scratch moving forward. It looks like, um, Freeman, if you put a gun to my head and said, which running back are you starting this week? I'd pick him. Um, but that's coming because Latavius Murray is banged up. He's not practicing this week thus far. Even if he is active, he's not shiny. And in a deep committee like this one, you need your running backs selected to be shiny. Latavius won't be shiny. Devontae Freeman had a nice play. Uh, 53 rushing yards, nine carries, and a touchdown last week. He would get my consideration, but that's just because Le'Veon Bell is going to be getting an uptick if Latavius does sit, but he's not the one I'm considering. La- Tyson Williams would probably be active if Latavius is out, but he's the guy they've been scratching. So, no, like there, I don't see an emergence coming from this. If you're asking me who I would start, I'd consider Devontae Freeman over everybody else here, but Lamar Jackson should be getting in the end zone more than he did last week. It's still difficult to predict. They still have a handful of options. I don't think anybody gets over 12 carries. It is by apocalypse. Devontae Freeman's probably on your waiver wire. Like, if you want to flex him out, if you don't have anybody better, okay, fine. Eventually, we would get to Devontae Freeman being the best selected option. But I wouldn't put Le'Veon Bell in right now. Latavius Murray, if he does come in and he's active, would be that number one guy for me. But he got banged up. He hasn't been practicing it's a 31 year old back who's been on like three teams this year already. So
1: just scarier than uh, not shaving with manscaped or Halloween (laughs) over there. For sure. Uh, What, what hasn't been scary are the studs for Baltimore. And I mean, Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews, they've been continuing to kind of put up points. Are we continuing to roll out our studs here, Johnny? I know that Marquise Brown had a kind of another bad drop last week, but we still continue to roll in the flames with Marquise. It is a little bit of a
0: difficult matchup, but again, he's getting all the right numbers as far as uh, the things you'd like to see. 23% target market share, 7th in deep targets with 11 on the season, 20th in area. Check this out. This is a sweet, actually. This is a cool stat. Marquise is 20th in, uh, on the year in air yards, and he's 12th in completed air yards, so him and, and Lamar seem to really have a good connection, so I am going to continue to roll him out. I know he had a bad game last week uh, and he had a, a bad drop, but, again, we're no strangers on this show to, to guys having uh, the case of the drops, <clears throat> Deontay, last year. Um, but, Marquise, I'm staying in there, uh, keeping him in there. But here's what I want to say. M- uh, Mark, Mark Andrews, Mark Andrews, friend of the show, love him. Uh, you are going to most likely play him because you probably don't have a better option. Like even though, yeah, yeah, and well, it is a somewhat difficult matchup. Cincinnati seventh and few, a uh, seventh fewest fantasy points to opposing tight ends. I know Big Travis tried to yeah. challenge it last week because uh, Hawkinson went against them and uh, he was
1: somewhat bottled up. So I do. Uh, think... He got 15 points in PPR. He wasn't well balling. and. I mean, did, no. It's like again, blow up the, whole, the like, whole case against Cincinnati being this tough tight end they, defense. Like I right. like I said last week, was the tight ends that they've played are not top tier tight ends. Correct. So and, again, when they played Hawkinson, he went for 15 PPR fantasy points. So if they go against Mark Andrews, and then the, who do they play? The problem, next? problem. I think they're gonna. I think, all they're, all gonna, all I think they're gonna end up evening out. Johnny is what I mean against tight end. They're not gonna be this top tier matchup every week. So I think. Okay. I, I, I in my that, opinion, that, right? I didn't the, mean to cut you
0: off, but you're fine. But the, the, the difference between Hawkinson and Mark Andrews is that Hawkinson saw a lot of targets last week. Mark Andrews has only had uh he's only seen seven or more targets two times a season. Three times. So uh three three times?
1: Yeah. Or, yeah, he's got six or more targets in the four straight now. And in week yeah, so I'm like in the last four weeks He's got seven, eight, thirteen, and then six targets. So like Andrews is still like I just so I, don't wanna, I said I don't... seven or more targets, only two games. That's three, three games. Seven, eight, and thirteen. Anyways, either way. Okay. Sorry.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I see what you're saying. Uh but you despite, I mean, you're he's not getting that massive volume to carry him. And he's been he's been heavily outproducing. Two out of the last three games, he's also seen sixty percent or fewer snap share is also concerning because you want that up in the 80%. So I do think, again, you're going to play him this week, temper expectations, but if I can try to move him, I think I'm going to try to move him because you got Bateman coming back. You've got uh Sammy Watkins and Bateman. They're saying they could split time, but you're not seeing that elevated uh target market share for Mark Andrews to the point where he – like you could probably get a lot for him right now because of the last two weeks he's kind of exploded – but I do think he's going to come a little bit down to earth uh, this week and moving forward. I just
1: fundamentally disagree with the take on Mark Andrews. I'm sorry. Like I, I know, I know where you're coming from with Mark Andrews. He's third in the NFL in tight end targets. He continues to see target volume. Yes. You're right about the snap share. That is a little concerning, but I think the fact that the role that he plays in this offense is the big play guy. And he's going to continue to play that. He has the eye of, uh, of Lamar Jackson. And so I think, now, you, we're allowed to have differing opinions. I think this is a, a good setup for Whisper Nation so they know like what they're looking at with Mark Andrews. But I do think that there's a reason. I think that Mark Andrews could be one of those guys that we're sitting back being like, he was a huge bargain at the end of the year because he's going to continue to be a volume monster. Lamar's improved as a passer, which is one of the big knocks against Mark Andrews coming into the year. And the volume that you say isn't there, like it fundamentally is. He's third in the NFL in targets among tight ends. So I just think he is like really doing what he, we, he's doing the best case of what we wanted him to be doing. And I think there's no reason to kind of think that that's going to change. It's heightened a little bit because of the last two. I mean, he
0: had in weeks, like you said, three, four, and five, he had almost 30 targets and that elevates a lot. But other than those three games, you're looking at six targets, five targets, five targets. I'm just saying you're you're I mean you're he has a five, lot
1: of efficiency in PPR especially Johnny he's got five or more catches in five straight games. That's a yeah. five point floor for my tight end in PPR. I want that so i I, I know what you're I know that you I, I know that you think like you're trying to get ahead of this, but I think it might be one of those ones where it's just like stay put on Mark Andrews. That's all I'm saying. I think it's stay put because I think you're getting exactly what you need to be getting out of him. All right, but fair you, I mean, yeah, I mean, you could, you could definitely be right on that. We'll see how that plays out. That's an exciting one to kind of take a look at. Uh, Lamar Jackson just really quickly got vultured by Freeman, Murray, and Bell last week. That's not going to happen every week. You look at these ba- this Bengals squad that he's faced, three of the last four meetings against, over 30 points uh, against the Bengals. So he likes playing the Bengals, and you're going to like playing him in this matchup. I know he just gave you 13 points, and that's disappointing. I don't think that's going to happen every week. All right, that does it for us, Whisper Nation. And the first part of the uh, matchup show, if you want to get the second part and the, um, and the Thursday night football matchup, make sure you're subscribed uh, across all the podcast platforms. And if you have any further lineup questions, make sure you're subscribed and you tune in Sunday morning as we'll be going a, live an hour and a half before kickoff. And you also check out the fantasywhispers.com for our weekly rankings. For Johnny Game Time Hicks, for Austin Sear, I'm Big Travi, and we're the Fantasy Whispers. We're out. Peace. Peace. Peace right here look at you go
0: you made it to the end of another one of our videos hey if you still have some questions i totally understand or you just want to join an awesome fantasy football community head on over to our discord chat link is in the description below and if you're still not sold on us check out one of these videos
1: don't you hit a